Church, before we sit down, I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this moment right now. And I pray that we would listen to the spirit of truth in our lives, that we would hear it clearly. I pray that you would point out all deception, all lies, everything from the enemy, and that we would know truth from the lies. God, give us discernment and wisdom in all these areas. And right now, we just invite your presence into this moment, that we would acknowledge you and know you're here, you're with us, you live within us. This is a holy moment as we listen to your word and what it has to say to our lives about truth. In your name we pray, amen. All right, church, you can sit, sit down wherever you're at. Glad to be back. Missed you guys last week. Thanks for letting me go and be with uh, kind of a, a sister church, you might call it. Uh, this church, it's my pastor. That, that's what I would tell you. Uh, my pastor invited me back. And, it, and just so you know, like, I don't know what your church background is, where you're coming from, but every pastor should have a pastor. Like, every pastor should have someone in their life that still is pastoring them and still investing in them, caring for them, loving for them, and someone that can hold them accountable, someone that can say, hey, man, I, I think you're getting a little off here. Pastors need to be pastored also. Otherwise, that's how we get spiritual abuse. That's how we get abuse of authority in the church, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about authority. So when I went back last week, I got the opportunity to go back and preach for my pastor, my old youth pastor. Now he's a pastor at a church in Lincoln, and he planted this church. And he was actually a big part about speaking truth and encouragement and building up me and my wife as we were getting ready to launch Revival a year and a half, almost two years ago now. Uh, him and his wife came alongside us, and they encouraged us. They prayed for us. They answered some of the questions and the fears we had and they pastored us through that season of doubt and kind of, you know, wondering, is this what we're supposed to do? Is God calling us to do this? They helped us discern in that moment what he had called us to in our lives. And so, you know, for us, uh, man, any chance we get to work together with these guys to honor them, uh, to love them, or, or to, you know, share some of our gifts and our talent, or to bring them in and to share their gifts and talent with our church I'm going to be having him come and preach in a, in a while coming up. But, man, it, it's great to know that the church is unified. And there's other places where, man, the Holy Spirit is moving and working. There's some crazy stuff happening there. And they're excited about what's happening here in Revival. And so it's fun to be a part of the church globally and what's going on. So today, we're jumping back into 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Stone got us through chapter 8 last week. Great job, Stone. Proud of you, man. Yeah, Stone. We're jumping right in this week. Chapter 9, verse 1. And I, I wanted to open up in 1 John because I really believe when we look at Scripture, we, we have to come at it and understand this is the truth. This is God's word. 
And so what it says, we have to put this above everything else in this world. And there is a spirit of deception in the world. There are lies that the enemy will use, and they are sweet lies. Like, he is so good at it, and he can just kind of tweak the truth just enough to make it sound appealing, to make it sound like, I I think that's right. I think that's good. I think that's a, a good thing. That is what the enemy does. He just tweaks the truth enough, and he distorts it. And we have to learn as believers what it truly means to be wise and walk in discernment, to discern against the spirit and to discern against the spirit of the world. Even Jake, as you were talking, you know, during the communion meditation, that's spot on. The the more we learn and become to know ourselves, the more we can discern against our own desires, our own thoughts, our own feelings, and the truth of the Holy Spirit within us, because he does speak, and he does convict, and he does call to a higher calling, a higher living, a higher way. And so as we're learning to learn and know ourselves, we learn how to discern what we want compared to what the Holy Spirit wants. A lot of times as you start starting to first listen to the Holy Spirit's voice in your life, a lot of what you're going to hear and you're going to be like, no, that can't be God because I don't want to do that. That was probably God. Like a lot of what he'll kind of speak into your life and what you'll be kind of wondering, like, is that from him? If it's something that you don't want to do, It might be from him. Like, there's a good chance. And then you need to take that and you need to line it up against Scripture. Is it based on truth? Is it based on the truth of God's word? That's how we discern the Holy Spirit's voice versus spirit of deception. So a lot of you in here, he wants to speak directly to you. And when he first starts speaking, he's going to speak things that are really uncomfortable. And you're going to be like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go talk to that stranger. I don't know. I don't want to have this conversation God, you want me to go and pray for that person at the gas station? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, there's going to be some of these random promptings, and you're going to be like, where did that come from? And if there are things that you're uncomfortable with, if there are things that sound difficult or hard, there's a good chance that they're probably from him. But the more you walk in obedience to him, the more he realigns your wills and your desires. And so all of a sudden, you start to notice what you want to do is in line with the Holy Spirit. It's in alignment with God's word the more you step into obedience to it. But it's uncomfortable at times. We have to accept that. Chapter 9, verse 1. Here's Paul. Here's what he says to the Corinthians. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? It's because of Paul's work that the Corinthian church is even in existence today. And he's, he's reminding them of that. You wouldn't even be a church unless I had answered the call that he had put on my life as an apostle. Even, verse 2, even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. He keeps using this word, apostle, apostle, over and over. Uh, Apostolos in the Greek. It's literally, it is one sent forth. That's what that means. From and to send. Two words, apostello. Combine them. You are one sent forth. A messenger sent on a mission, an apostle. That was Paul. He was an apostle sent on a mission by Jesus. Sent forth to do what he had called him to do. 
And so he reminds them of that. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other apostles and Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? So so the Corinthians were calling out Barnabas and Paul and they're saying, no, 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 you need to work. You need to have these part-time jobs. You need to do all this. Like we're we're not going to support you. But he's reminding them that we have the right to do this. When you look at scripture as a whole, we have the right to say, man, like we should be rewarded for the work that we're doing. That's what he's saying, and he's reminding them here. What soldier has to pay his own expenses, verse 7? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses... If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, it says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. The ox is doing the work. Don't muzzle it. Don't keep it from eating. It's the one doing the work. And sometimes that's what we do in the church, and that's what was going on in Corinth. They were saying, no, 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 Paul and Barnabas, no, they, they don't deserve anything. They should just have to work and just do it because it's the right thing. Now, I'll tell you something. The more you read, the more you get to this understanding that Paul, it doesn't matter if he was paid or not paid or anything about that. He was going to do it because he knew he was called and there was nothing else he could do with his life. And I remember, you know, when we started revival, like that was one of the things early on that God put on my heart. He told me very clearly, there's nothing else you can do with your life. This is what I've called you to. Like, this is it. Like, I, I knew I could have gone and, you know, gotten another job somewhere, but I, it, it would have killed me inside. And, and there were even other church jobs I was looking at because I thought, man, this would be safer. Like, this would be a sure thing. This would be a paycheck. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to start a church from scratch. Like, there was, a, you know, churches in some of these other towns, other cities, you know, I could have gone to and taken the job, but it would have been just a paycheck but he'd put a calling on my life. He'd sent me forth and said, no, 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 this is the call. You need to be obedient to your call that I've placed on your life. Everything else would be just a paycheck. And so I, I remember he put that on very early. And I said, God, how are we gonna pay the bills? Like, how, how, are, we, how are you gonna provide for us? Because I, I don't see it right now. There's, currently, there's me and my wife and eight of our friends talking about starting a church. How, how are we going to pay the mortgage when that time comes? And he just said, watch me work. Watch me provide. And, and I've shared this story before, but th- there was a moment where I even was thinking about all the money that my wife and I had tithed to our previous church. And, and I thought, man, if we just had that money, then we could really get started solid with this new church. And he told me very clearly, shut up. Like he did. Like sometimes he is... He is firm sometimes when he speaks. He told me, shut up and watch me because I'm the provider. You weren't giving to those people. You were giving to me. That's what tithing is. That's what giving is. When we give, you're not giving here. If you give here at Revival, like that's awesome. That is a spiritual practice. That's a discipline. 
that is great. And it's not great for me or Stone or Megan or Andrew, any of our other pastors. It's great for you because spiritually, God is taking you to the next level. He's teaching you to trust him beyond what the rest of the world says. Because the rest of the world, if they find out that you're giving money, if you're tithing, they're like, that's crazy. Like, that's insane. Why would you give to a church? Why would you give to anything? Like, you should just keep that for yourselves and do what's best for you. And God is saying, no, no, no. This is an act of trust and true relationship with me. And when you trust me with even just a little, man, your faith is going to grow exponentially. And you begin to walk further and further into trust with him in every area of your life and relationship to him. It will change you when you begin to give. So yeah, when he told me to shut up, I was like, all right, like that's fine. And I'll tell you what, like I, my wife and I, she didn't do this, I did this. But before he told me to shut up, I had counted all the times like that we had given over the years, over a decade of giving. And I thought if we just had that, we could start a church. Because that's what they tell you. When you're starting a church, there's all these like organizations out there that will say, hey, follow our 10-step plan, you know, raise this many funds, and you know, if you have this much money, you'll be able to start a church successfully. And so I, I'd bought into some of those lies for a minute there because I'd never started a church. So I was researching and reading and talking about everything. And the more I kept doing that, the more God just kept saying, no, 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 we're not gonna do it the world's way. We're gonna do it my way. Shut up and watch me work. And let me tell you something. Like all that money I'd accounted for in my head that I thought was so much, he went above and beyond in six months that money that I thought we needed. And he provided through his church, through sacrificial giving, above and beyond what the world said you needed to get started. He said, you're starting with zero? Boom, here you go. Watch me work and deliver. And there's so many of us, we're afraid to take that first step into giving or tithing because we think there's no way he can deliver. There's no way he understands the, the, the amount of debt we're under, the pressure we're under to make it each week. And he says, no, 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 build your budget with me first in mind. Give me your first fruits. Give me your first and your best and trust me because I'll provide above and beyond every time. And every time I've looked back on my life, as my wife and I have looked at our lives together of tithing and trusting him, I can see he has been good and faithful in every season. Man, there you go, church. We are awake today. I didn't even have to tell you to say amen. Woo! That's good, church. What soldier, verse 7, Paul loves using metaphors. What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for the flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Soldiers, farmers, shepherds, they do the work and they're rewarded for it. That's what Paul is saying here. Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? Now, sometimes Paul's very clear. Sometimes he will tell you, hey, this is my opinion on something. We've talked about that. Paul will be very clear. This is my opinion. But then he'll say, this is what the word says. This is truth. This is what the Lord has said. For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one 
who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, that's what we're doing. As, as pastors, all we're trying to do is plant spiritual seed. Aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Let me tell you something about our pastors. We will never demand these rights. We won't. Like from the very beginning, I, I told you, I, I knew I, I was called to do this. And, and one of the reasons I was called into this, and he, he was very clear with me on this, is you're to speak truth and there will be no compromise because of the opinion of man. Because a lot of churches get caught up in these games where they start to look at who's giving and how much is being given, and they start to listen to certain people's opinions about one thing or the other because they know, man, they, there's a lot of money coming from this area, or there's not very much money coming from this person. That's not how this church is going to run. So if you came here expecting that, you don't have to leave right now, but you might want to, you know, just peace later. You know, we love you, but repent. Like, that's not how the church works. There is spiritual authority in place, and the amount of money that we have does not decide who's in authority or who makes decisions. Yeah, okay, church. Woo, that's good. He's good. I, 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 the other thing, like I, I keep going back to the beginning because it's fun, because it's fun to look at where we were and where he's taken us. But another thing was we started with nothing, and you know, my wife, she gets kind of nervous sometimes when I, I start to preach truth. And, you know, she's like, just be easy, be easy. She loves truth, but she also loves grace. And I'm like, all right, she keeps me balanced. You know, she keeps me centered. But I, I knew that there would be no compromise as we go forward as a church and that there's going to be uncomfortable conversations that come up in our church. There's going to be things that we, we touch on and we talk on because that's what the word of God says. It's going to hurt feelings sometimes. It's going to hurt uh, our view of certain people in the church. There's going to be conflict within the church. There already has been. In this past year, when you look at some of the things we've touched on, when you look at some of the conversations we've talked about in church, I know that there's been conversations and arguments throughout our church body. Like I hear, I find out about stuff. People tell me stuff. But we won't compromise on what the Word of God says. And we'll learn as a church what it means to discern the Holy Spirit's voice versus the spirit of deception. And that means coming with a humble attitude. And that means realizing, man, maybe some of the things I thought were true, maybe some of the things I've always believed in my life, maybe some of the things that I thought, man, that sounds so good. Like there's so many things the world will tell us and we'll be like, man, that sounds good and all the world is saying it, but what does God's word say? That's where we will always come back to and it will be uncomfortable at times, but we will not give in to the spirit of deception. We will not listen to that spirit's voice. We will learn to discern the voice of truth in our lives. And that's gonna be hard and it's gonna lead to uncomfortable conversations, but man, that's where transformation happens. 
That's what we believe here at Revival. When you begin to dive into the truth of God's word and you are open to the fact that maybe something you believed for a long time, maybe something you thought all your life was true and you start to realize, no, 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 that isn't actually in scripture. That's not actually what God said in his word. And we will learn to walk in spirit and in truth. Yeah, that's my guy right there. Caleb, bringing it, baby. I love it. So, let me go to another verse here. Verse, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Just to reiterate what he's talking about here. Elders, once again, this is Paul. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy's a young church leader. He's somebody that Paul has invested in. He's mentored. He loves, he cares deeply about and his ministry. And here's what he says. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. Elders and pastors, when, when you're reading through Scripture there, that, that's used interchangeably. And so even in our church, uh, I'm the lead pastor, and we have elders at our church, but our authority, it's, it's equal terms. There's a lot of churches where you have elders that are kind of above the senior pastor or the lead pastor, and they're making the calls, but that, that's not how we do it here. Okay? We are on equal footing here. Okay? So, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. Especially, I mean, some of you are like, wow, Alex is just thinking about himself today. No, no, no. Like, I'm just, I'm preaching the truth. And as we're going through Corinthians, this is what keeps coming up. Okay? Especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle. Paul keeps going back here because he loves the Old Testament. He loves bringing that in. Those who work or you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Paul keeps reiterating this throughout Scripture. He wants the church to know the truth about what his word says. That's it. So verse 13, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? That was how they did it, their sacrificial system. Those who worked in the temple, they got what wasn't burned on the altar. They got what was left, and that was how they ate, and that was how they drank. That was how they were provided for as ministers, as leaders in the early temple. And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered, the Lord ordered, like, once again, we're kind of like, there's a lot of us in here who think, Oh, uh, you know what, like, you know, tithing, that was just an Old Testament thing, like, you know, giving, like, that was just all that. Like, we live in a world that's all about us, right? And, and so it's a consumer, it's a consumerist mindset. And so when we come to church, we're thinking, oh, it's all about me. Like, serve, 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 and, and we want it all for free, because that's America, right? Like, we want it all for free. And Paul is saying, no, 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 even the Lord said, Luke 10, verse 7, here's what he said. He said, when he sent out the 70, okay, he sent them out to do ministry. He said, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay, okay? That's all he's establishing here. Those who work deserve their pay. And so he says, this is what even the Lord said. This isn't just the Old Testament. This is what Jesus said. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. 
So if you benefit from the good news here at Revival, man, partner with us. Partner with us in the mission of what we're doing. Because then you get to step into it by faith. You get to grow in your faith and your relationship with Jesus, but then you also get a partner in the mission of the gospel and what we're doing to take revival all across this world to every place that there's still darkness, that there's still death, that there's still people living in religion and not relationship to the living Christ. That's what we're doing when we step into revival. That is our calling to bring the dry bones to life, to see people come to know the Holy Spirit and the power in him. Yeah. In the same way the Lord ordered that. Verse 15, yet I've never used any of these rites. Paul keeps saying this over and over because what do the Corinthians keep talking about? They keep talking about their freedom, their rights. This is what we deserve. This is what we get. This is what we should be able to do. And Paul says, I've got all these rights, but I'm not going to use them or abuse them or demand them. I love that. That's going to be the same here at Revival. We're not going to use it. We're not going to demand it. We're not going to say, man, it has to be this way. You have to do this. No, we'll tell you what the truth says, and then you decide. You discern. You discern the Spirit's voice in your life. You discern it next to the Word of God. Yet I've never used any of these rites, and I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. That was his mission, his calling. And uh, I remember that about revival. I was telling that story and I got sidetracked. But when we started, like, there's that little bit of fear in you of, man, like, one one wrong sermon, one wrong message, we could lose everything. And God reminded me in that moment, he said, don't be afraid to speak truth because you started with nothing. And even if you end with nothing, you haven't lost anything because you started with nothing. I was like, oh, that's good, Lord. Like, that's good. You started with nothing when you came into this, when you came into accepting this calling on your life. And so even if you preach the truth of my word, you end with nothing. Everyone leaves you. It will not matter because you've been faithful to me. And watch and see how I'm still faithful even in those seasons. So I might preach this thing down to zero people someday. But I'm not going to compromise his truth. (laughs) I love it. He's good. We're compelled by the mission of the cross. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice. Jump down to verse 19. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I am weak. I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. That's our call as believers. 
We die to our own rights and freedoms to bring the good news of the gospel to others. That's our call here at Revival. There's so many things in our world that we look at and we think, man, I I deserve this or I have the right to do this or I I don't need to do this because I'm free. Like, especially here in America, there's a lot of things that we treat like that. Like, I'm free and it's my rights and I don't need to do any of this. And you're right, you don't need to do it. But if he calls you to, and he has, he's called us to, we should listen to his voice. And that means dying to ourselves and living for him in the calling he's put on our lives. Verse 24, don't you realize that in a race, this is the verse that we started this whole series on, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Worship team, you guys can come on up. We're gonna get ready to close. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We're not shadow boxing. When you, when you think about shadow boxing, are you going against a real opponent? No. You're not going against a real opponent. It's an imaginary opponent. In faith, in this race that we've stepped into, in obedience to Christ, there is an actual opponent. There is an enemy that we are fighting against. And so when we learn what it means to walk in obedience to his word, When we learn to walk by spirit and his truth, not our own truth, we learn and understand that there's an enemy. There is a spirit of deception in this world that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We're not shadow boxing. There is an actual enemy that we are fighting against. And so we run this race with everything in us in obedience to Christ, in obedience to his word, in every area. And so I would ask him in this next moment of worship, is there an area that I've been holding back in my life? Is there an area that I haven't been obedient in, that I haven't said yes to him yet? Because right now you have that opportunity to step into obedience to the spirit of truth, to say no to the spirit of deception in this world. That's what we're called to. Let's step into that moment here as we worship together.